This podcast is brought to you by RMA, the Risk Management Association. RMA's sole purpose is to advance the use of sound risk management principles in the financial services industry. Learn more at rmahq.org. Hello, this is Bernie Mason, RMA's Regulatory Liaison. The Federal Reserve Board has announced the issuance of two new reports that it says will be issued on a recurring basis going forward. The first report is entitled the Supervision and Regulation Report. This report summarizes current banking system conditions and the Fed's recent supervisory and regulatory actions. In addition to a summary section and an appendix containing data, this report contains three main sections. The first section is entitled Banking System Conditions, and this section provides an overview of trends in the banking sector based on data collected by the Fed and the other regulatory agencies. The second section is entitled Regulatory Developments. This section provides an overview of the current areas of focus of the Fed's regulatory policy framework, including pending rules. The last section is entitled Supervisory Developments, and this section provides a background information on supervisory programs and approaches, as well as an overview of key themes and trends, supervisory findings, and supervisory priorities. And with respect to this last section, entitled Supervisory Developments, the uh, report indicates that material risk management weaknesses persist at a number of firms. These weaknesses include compliance, internal controls, model risk management, operational risk management, and or data and information technology infrastructure. Other firms exhibit weaknesses in BSA AML programs. For large institutions, the Fed reveals that over half of the supervisory findings issued in the past five years were related to governance and risk management control issues while approximately 28% were for capital-related issues and about 10% related to liquidity. Of the supervisory findings currently outstanding, nearly 60% relate to issuances in governance and controls. For larger firms, the Fed states that supervisors will continue to conduct horizontal examinations across multiple firms and the Fed will focus on emerging risks as well as actions firms have taken to address safety and soundness weaknesses previously identified. Regarding regional banking organizations, the Fed indicates that current risks primarily are the result of consolidation of smaller firms into larger regional banks. Supervisory findings for these firms has declined over the past five years. Internal audit, BSA, AML, and risk management weaknesses have been among the leading supervisory findings. Upcoming supervisory priorities for these firms include credit risk, which includes concentrations, CRE construction, and underwriting practices, operational risk, which involves merger and acquisition risks, as well as IT and cyber risks, and then in the other category includes sales practices and incentive compensation, and BSA AML. For community banks, the Fed observes that the vast majority in this category exhibit a moderate risk profile with the risk direction being deemed stable. The supervision focus for these banks remains on management of concentrations of credit, 
interest rate risk, and liquidity risk. Supervision priorities include efforts to modernize, increase efficiencies, and reduce burden associated with the examination process. The second report that the Fed recently issued is entitled the Financial Stability Report. The Fed said that this report is similar to those published by other central banks, and it complements the annual report of the Financial Stability Oversight Council, which is chaired by the Secretary of the Treasury and includes the Federal Reserve Board Chairman and other financial regulators. The framework here focuses primarily on monitoring vulnerabilities in the system and emphasizes the following four broad categories. Elevated valuation pressures, which are signaled by asset prices that are high relative to economic fundamentals, which implies a greater possibility of outsized drops in prices. Secondly, excessive borrowing by businesses and households, which leaves them vulnerable to distress if their incomes decline or assets they own fall in value. Third is excessive leverage within the financial sector, which increases the risk that financial institutions will not have the ability to absorb even modest losses when hit with adverse shocks. And then fourth are funding risks that expose the financial system to the possibility that investors will run by withdrawing their funds from a particular institution or sector. Now, this particular report assesses the current level of vulnerabilities within the financial system as follows. Valuation pressures are generally elevated, with investors appearing to exhibit a high tolerance for risk-taking, particularly with respect to assets linked to business debt. Borrowing by households has risen roughly in line with household incomes. However, debt owed by businesses relative to GDP is historically high and there are signs of deteriorating credit standards. The nation's largest banks are strongly capitalized and leverage of broker-dealers is substantially below pre-crisis levels. Insurance companies have also strengthened their financial position since the crisis. Funding risks in the financial system are low relative to the period leading up to the crisis. Banks hold more liquid assets and money market mutual funds are less vulnerable to destabilizing runs by investors. The report provides detailed discussions on each of these factors. The report also cites near-term risks in the financial system as follows. Brexit and euro area fiscal challenges pose risks for U.S. markets and institutions. Problems in China and other emerging market economies could spill over to the U.S., and trade tensions, geopolitical uncertainty, and other developments could make investors more averse in general to taking risks. Thank you very much for listening.